welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 8th of May 2011, entitled, A World Deceived, and the Bible reading is taken from Obadiah, verses 1 to 21. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, if you'd like to be opening your Bibles to the book of Obadiah. When was the last time you had to find Obadiah? <laughs> well, most of your Bibles, it probably only covers one to two pages. Right after Amos, if you know where Amos is at. Just before Jonah got swallowed by the whale, <laughs> we find the prophet Obadiah. Like the book of Jude, I don't need to tell you what chapter. There's only one chapter, and there's only 21 verses which is what we're going to uh, read this evening. And then I'm going to zero in on a couple of these verses. I invite you to stand this evening for the reading of God's holy word taken from the book of Obadiah, beginning in verse 1. The vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou that dwellest in the cliffs of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. If thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? How are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought up? All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. They that eat thy bread have laid a wound under thee. There is none understanding in him. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of the mount of Esau? All thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. Why, for thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou was as one with of them. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger, neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly In the day of distress, thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. 
Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen, as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble. They shall kindle in them and devour them. And there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for the Lord hath spoken it. And they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau. They of the plain, the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath. The captivity of Jerusalem, which is in Shepherd, shall possess the cities of the south, and saviors shall come upon Mount Zion to judge the mount of Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for our privilege of being able to gather together in your house this evening. Father, thank you for your word that we have just read from, for your spirit that lives and dwells within us, that promises even here this evening, Lord, to make these words alive, to teach our hearts that which we need to hear. You know the need of each one. We pray that through thy power that you might meet those needs as only you can, that we might be receptive and responsive to that which you have for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen, amen. As we look here, I wonder, has anybody here ever visited the land of Edom? No? Not for a holiday or a short visit or anything like that? I wonder if I ask you if you could point out on a map exactly where Edom's at. How many of you could show me where it, where it is, where it exists now? You might show me where it used to exist, but you won't show me where it exists now. <laughs> you see, as we read through this, of course, this is not the only place that Edom is discussed. But we find that the Bible begins here with Obadiah the prophet and he begins by saying, this is what the Lord God says concerning Edom. And through these first nine verses, so in the Scripture here, we find that he's really showing how that this nation of Edom is going to be totally, completely humiliated. Before the eyes of everybody, they're going to be humiliated. We find that then in, in verses 10 through 14, he tells us why. He tells us the great sin of Edom because Edom had gone against God's people. Because Edom 
even though that she had opportunity to be a blessing to God's people, she had taken the opportunity to go against them, to try to take from her. And of course, he goes on then in verses 15 and 16, probably the first time in Scripture as scholars try to work out who wrote what, when, and all of this, probably the first time in Scripture that those terms were actually put into, not necessarily in your Bible, but chronologically. When Obadiah wrote this, that term, the day of the Lord, and he speaks of the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord that is, that is coming, and of course that it is his kingdom that will be set up. What was known as Edom will be possessed of God's kingdom rather than of their own. Now, I don't know how much you know about Edom, but the word Edom you'll find if you turn back into uh, Genesis chapter 25, you'll find that uh, uh, the word Edom was actually the name that was given to somebody that was mentioned in our reading here. In Genesis chapter 25, notice what he says beginning in verse 29. It says, And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware to him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now while you're there, just turn over a few more pages to Genesis chapter 36. Notice what it says there. First of all, in verse 1 it says, Now these are the generations of Esau who is Edom, one and the same. Look down in verses 8 and 9. Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Sire. Esau is Edom. And these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. So Edom was a name that was given to Esau after he sold his birthright to his brother Jacob. And of course, Edom simply means red because it was that red pottage that he sold it for. Now, you, you can take and you can read a lot of things, especially in secular history, and it's interesting that in some cases they try to figure out where the Edomites came from. And they think that they were called Edomites because that the clay and the dirt and the soil and all of that in the area where that Edom was at was just like red clay, red soil. Now, Edom, if you, if you looked on the map at where it was, it was kind of in the shape of a, almost like a heart, like you kind of took your hands and put them together like that. Right at the south of, of, of Judah, right at the tip of the bottom, the south end of the Dead Sea that it set in there. 
It's also interesting that if you read secularly, historically, they also try to figure out where it went and when it went. Uh, what happened to it? Why is it not there anymore? And yet, if we turn to the Word of God, the Word of God tells us exactly where Edom came from. Edom was the descendants of Esau. Esau was given that name Edom when he sold his birthright for the red pottage. The Bible even gives us those generations that followed him and tells us that they were Edomites, his descendants. And you'll find as you read through Scripture about this place called Edom that, first of all, you'll find that Esau, even in our reading there, he hated his birthright. Esau hated Jacob. He hated him for losing his birthright and his blessing to him. His descendants that came after him inherited that hatred. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, the same thing you can see many times with, well, even the clans and things like this of bygone years. That many times one clan would absolutely despise and hate another clan. They couldn't tell you why. <laughs> Just because that is what had been passed on to them by their parents and their parents before them. The Edomites hated Israel. And of course, we can read in the Old Testament of many accounts where that they battled against Israel. And of course, they were continually defeated by Israel, but they didn't learn their lesson. <laughs> that hatred would come up and they would go back and they would, they would fight again and they would be defeated and they would fight again. We also find that they were one of those groups of people that were always ready to join hands with another enemy that wanted to come against the nation of Israel. They were always willing to give a helping hand to anybody that wanted to hurt or destroy or take down Israel in any way, even though they were blood relatives, even though they came from the same descendants, even though that were both of them. If they trace back to their heritage, it came from two brothers Fine, the Bible teaches us a, a lot of things that we don't need to go into, but we find that the Edomites became a very proud people. Uh, they were proud of themselves and basically began to believe that they were indestructible. They felt very secure in their homes and their lifestyles. They thought that nothing could touch them. They taught, thought that literally that their, their enemies would not be able to, to get to them. They were very secure in their own strength, in their own prosperity. They felt like that they had the upper hand on their enemy. And of course, there were times when it seemed like that they may have the upper hand, but in the end, they never did. Notice again, what it said there in verse 4, Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. And of course, we can read on down, and we can find God's other promises and things that were brought against him. And of course, we find in those same verses that we read that God's people, 
they would be protected by God. They would be blessed by God. Now, you say, preacher, what's all that really got to do with us? I mean, this is about what was going to happen to a nation that hated God's people that doesn't even exist anymore. As a matter of fact, if you begin to read historical things, most people aren't even sure when they disappeared and what happened to them. Because I believe that, number one, it's important as we look there, we find an account of a nation that came against God's people. And that's certainly a dangerous thing to do anytime, no matter how strong militarily and secure that a people might be, to come against God's people is a dangerous thing. And we see the consequences that were promised. May I say to you, it's because of what we read before us that there is no place called Edom today, that, that God's promises, God's prophecy concerning those people were true. But I want us to focus just on this verse 3 and 4. What does that really matter to us today? I want to say this because I believe that today, you know, this was a people. I want you to recognize just how deceived that the Edomites were. This was a nation not just an individual. This was a nation of people that the whole nation was deceived. And yet in their deception, God dealt with them. And we find that certainly today, I believe that as we look at this nation of Edom, that we can see the same thing already have happened and happening even today, even as we're gathered here this evening of the world that is deceived in much the same way. And we can draw some very light comparisons. Now, verse 3 and verse 4 really give us a lot of insight into these people. He says in verse 3, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. We live in a world that is deceived today, just as the nation of Edom was deceived, a world that is deceived by their own hearts. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, it says. Your own uh, presumptuousness, your own arrogance, your own insolence, if you would, that pride, it says, has deceived you. <coughs> now, we find that if we turn back into Scripture, we find that there was another one in the book of Ezekiel. Notice in Ezekiel chapter 28 that there was another one that was deceived in his heart. Ezekiel chapter 28, beginning in verse 13. Now, some question, my guess, as to whether this is Satan, devil, loose for one and the same. I believe certainly that it is. I believe here in verse 13 that it even makes it pretty clear when he says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. 
Well, before the Garden of Eden was sealed off, there weren't too many inhabitants there. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire. Notice the words in verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled the sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that beheld thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Folks, I believe this is Satan, Lucifer, that is being spoken to here. And you see, the simple fact is, is that it was this same problem, the same problem that Edom had in the fact of this pride. You see, Lucifer lifted himself up because of his own beauty and who he was. Said there, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. This is the fall of Satan himself. God created him not in sin, but God created him perfectly, the Bible says. He was created beautiful. But he began to see his beauty as a matter of personal pride. He began to want to take credit himself for what God had done. He became so self-confident that he thought he could exalt himself above the others, even including God. The simple truth is, the Bible says that he has already been judged that his end has already been set. Notice what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 14. He says in verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, 
I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You see, the simple truth is that was the characteristic that destroyed Satan. It was also the characteristic that has brought about the sure doom of Satan in the future. Satan reproduces himself in the fallen race of mankind. You know, there's only one Satan, but his effect is upon that sinful flesh. Remember what Jesus said to Peter, get behind me who? Satan. Not because Peter was physically Satan, but because Satan was the one that was working through him and influencing him at that moment in time. Satan is doing that through the human race. And that same pride that lifted him up, that brought about his judgment, the same pride that lifted up the entire nation of Edom, that they thought that they were too high, that they were too big, that nobody could bring them down. I'm saying the world today, they've got that same problem, the pride in their hearts, because they think that they have made themselves who they are. We find that in the Western world that you and I live, that people are so blessed with possessions, things, with a life that still much of the world can only dream about. And yet, the pride of man's heart has lifted him up, thinking that he has accomplished these things, giving God no more credit when we look back in our forefathers that went before us. They knew why the blessings were there. They knew why that our nations were being blessed. You say, preacher, are you talking about Great Britain? Are you talking about the United States? Yes, I'm talking about some of the most blessed nations in history. And that, yes, there were those before us that gave credit where credit was due. But that in our societies today, that credit is being taken by self and not given to God. I believe that as we look through history, that's been the downfall of many that have gone before us. And so, yes, I believe that in looking at what happened to Edom and what brought them down and what was their final end, can that be? Are we so prideful that we think that the United Kingdom or the United States is so rich and so powerful that they cannot be brought down? Then we are just as guilty as they are if we think that. God says he is able and that he will accomplish his work. Notice in the Gospel of John chapter 5, notice what it says in verse 40. It says, and you will not come to me that you might have life. You see, the simple truth is, is that man thinks he's got it all himself. The Lord is right there. But rather than go to God and admit that we can be taken down, admit that we are sinners, the simple truth is, is that we think we can do it all ourselves. 
Verse 44 there of that passage says, How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seeketh not the honor that cometh from God only? We're more concerned about being honored by man and what the world thinks of us than we are by what God thinks of us. Rather than doing it God's way and abiding by God's uh, word and doing what God wants us to do, we're more concerned what the rest of the world thinks of us. I'm saying to you that we live in a world, not just an individual, though it happens individually. Nations are made up of people. I'm saying today that we live in a nation that has been deceived by their own heart. But not just a nation, I'm saying that as we look at the world as a whole today, that we live in a world that for the most part, just like the Edomites, they're caught up in their own pride, their own insolence, their own arrogance of thinking that they can do what they want the way that they want to do it. The pride of the heart. Notice what it also says here in verse 3. He says, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. What does he say next? Thou that dwellest in the cliffs of the rock, whose habitation is high. Not only is man deceived by his heart, but the Bible says here he's deceived by his habitation. You see, the world has a false sense of security in their own defenses, in what they have built, in what they have. Now, the two tie together. But you see, the second one, this false sense of security that we have in what we have has come as a result of the first one. Because of the pride that began in the heart, we find that too many in the world today that they see themselves as Edom did, that they're invincible. Nobody could penetrate our defenses. Nobody could hurt us. Belshazzar did the same. He thought the city of Babylon was so fortified that he threw a party in defiance of the enemy that was outside the gate. Why? He thought he was safe in his own defenses. It was impossible for them to get through. We find that the builders of the Titanic, they said it couldn't sink. <laughs> they said it couldn't sink, that it was impossible for it to sink. Man had built this great thing. And yet on his maiden voyage, they were proven to be wrong. The world has a false sense of security in their habitation, in their strong defenses, in, in themselves. You see, man has never lived in an age when he's been more educated by men's education. Yet as they gain more of that education, as they get more of their degrees and pile them on top of each other, they deny God. They teach evolution as a fact of existence. They believe that they are unsinkable, that the enemy couldn't possibly penetrate their world. As a matter of fact, many of them, just as Edom, see God's people as their enemy. That somehow is putting what they have and what they have built and what they have done for themselves 
at risk. Many in the world even have this false sense of security in their religion. Yes, religion today is sending people to hell every day. We say that not to be unkind. If we believe the Word of God, and I'm saying to you that if we cannot believe the Word of God, then what do we have to believe today? The only alternative is the men's, the books that have been passed to us by men. If it's not the Word of God that we can base our faith upon and truly build our hope upon, then I say we are a hopeless people. It was Jesus Christ himself that spoke very simply. He did not say that if you'll attend church and if you'll be a good person, he didn't say that if you'll do all of these religious things and go through all of these religious rituals, that one day you can go with me to heaven. No. Really what he said was very simple. When Nicodemus asked him how that he, how could he be a part of God's kingdom, it was Jesus that said, ye must be born again. You've got to experience a new birth. Doesn't matter what you know. Doesn't matter who you know. Doesn't matter what you do. None of it matters. And yet we live in a world today that has all of this false security that's built up in their religion because they're well-meaning, because they're, they're doing good, because they're accomplishing good in this world, because they love God and they have great intentions and all of these things. Just like Edom I'm saying to you that nation by nation, our nation could just as surely cease to exist today if the Lord tarries. There is nothing that says that the United Kingdom or the United States or any of those other nations around us have to be here when the Lord returns. Just as the nation of Edom was wiped off the face of the earth, our nations could be. And I can tell you this, that as a whole, the world in all of its deception, one day it will all be wiped off. I'm talking about there is not a place that you can look at on that map today that will exist. Even God's place, even Jerusalem becomes the new Jerusalem, praise God. <laughs> a new heaven and a new earth, we find that the world, a world deceived by their own heart, a world deceived by their own habitation because of what they have, a world deceived by what I'm simply calling their own haughtiness, their haughty reasoning, that saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? <laughs> you see, he boasts in what he is. We can go out today. You can go to any bookstore in the city of Birmingham. You can go in and you can find all these how to this and how to that and how to this because man has figured out how to everything. And somebody will tell you how to, you can do it. <laughs> because they've done it. We find that they've got all the answers. 
They've done it all. They not only were unbeatable on their own ground, they were ready. They were ready to march against the enemy, to stand against God's people. He saith in his heart. You see, even when the word's not spoken, God knows the actions. He knows what's coming from within. God had already heard their boastings. What did he say up there in verse 1? Thus saith the Lord God concerning him, We have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. God already knew. He knew exactly what they were thinking, exactly what they were saying. When God sent Obadiah, they found out that he was repeating back to them the very things they thought in their own hearts, in their own minds. Now, be honest with me. How many of you would love it this evening? If I could kind of disappear off the scene, you could have a pastor that could read every thought in your mind. <laughs> that must have been what they thought. I mean, here comes God's man, Obadiah. And he's telling them all these things that, man, they haven't told anybody out there about it. You see, God knows what's in their heart. I might not be able to read your mind and your heart this evening because I only see on the outward things. But God looketh on the inward. God knows exactly. He knows what's going on within us. Man can reason things out. We live in a day of reasoning. He can be bold. He can be proud. He can think all these things that are contrary to God. His thinking and his reasoning. Let's see, what's that thing that God says? The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. You know, the sad thing is, is that you probably know people just like I know people, that just like in Edom, it's been passed on to them. Many of our great educational institutions have tried to take their minds and has tried to make it into where God has no part in there whatsoever and never should have, and that all those people that believe that stuff, they're the enemy. They've got the answers. That's what Edom thought. They had the opportunity. I mean, they lived next door to God's people. They were relatives with God's people. They had the opportunity even when they lived together in part of their history. And sometimes they even pretended. Then when the enemy came in, guess what? They were quick to jump to the side to come against God's people. We live in a world that's deceived. We need to recognize this. You see, when you go out there to witness to people, to talk to people, to, to share your faith, you're dealing with a world that's deceived. You're dealing with the world just like the Edomites. They've got it all within themselves, their own pride, within their own hearts, their habitations, what they've built, what they've done for themselves their own reasoning, all these things that they've been able to learn and work out with their own minds, they've got it all. And for them to admit that there's something to what you're trying to say in your Christian faith, why, that would go totally contrary to all that great education and thinking that they've been given. A world 
deceived because of their own high self-exaltation. <laughs> we sang earlier about him being exalted. He said here in verse 4, Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars. John Gill, the commentator, says here, the one that soars aloft, flies on high, even out of sight, higher than any other bird does, is speaking of the eagle. You see, they thought that there was nobody else that could quite come up to their standard. Careful. That's a world that we live in. And really today, you can go all different parts of the world, whether you speak English or French or Spanish or whatever it might be. Got those that feel like nobody can quite reach our standard. We've got it above all the rest of them. We find that that's where many of the racial prejudices that we've seen and lived through in our past that still exist in some place. The classes, the superiority of one against another, the ethnic cleansing that is still taking place in parts of this world. That's exactly why, because there are those that have exalted themselves above others and think that somehow they're superior to the others, and so therefore the others need to be gotten rid of. That was the thinking. And that's still a thinking that permeates so much of our society today, even when it's not voiced. Even when they would maybe not go to the extent that Hitler did. They've still got this idea that somehow they're just a bit better. They're soaring just a little bit higher than anybody else out there. Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and notice, and though thou set thy nest among the stars... I don't want to think they're a little bit better. They think that if you would hear their place, their nation, their people, their home, you'll says even higher than the eagles. Notice that's they're they're in the stars now with their homes. It says even higher than the eagles. A hyperbolical expression is opposing that which never was or can be done yet. If it was possible, it would be. He says, would not secure from danger, or should their castles and fortresses be built upon the top of the highest mountains, which seem to reach the heavens and be among the stars. They honestly believed. They were the strongest of the strongest. They were the best of the best. That nothing could touch them. They were deceived by their own hearts. They were deceived by their own habitation, possessions, the things where they lived, what they did. They were deceived by their own haughty reasoning and thinking and education, if you would, that left God out of it. They were deceived by their own high exalting of themselves, feeling themselves just superior to anybody else around. You see, the more control, the more influence that Satan gets in a people, in an individual, and so the same in a nation, the more like him 
the people become. The Gospel of John, chapter 8, and verse 44, the Word of God says, Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his, his own, sorry, for he is a liar and the father of it. We find that the accomplishments of people individually or nationally, when it's apart from the recognition of God, it will lead them ultimately farther away from God and closer to God's judgment. So we see at least, at least four things in these verses that shows the delusion, the deception that these people were living in. They, you got to believe this now, when you're deceived, doesn't mean that you're choosing to believe something that's wrong. They really believe this. We have to recognize we live in a world that just like them, they really believe this. Their hearts have deceived them. Their habitation, their possessions, their things that they've been able to build up have got them deceived. Their attitudes, their thinking, their haughtiness has got them deceived genuinely believing it. And we find that here their high exaltation of themselves, how that they feel, they're that bit superior to that somebody else has got them deceived. I'm going to give you this in closing. We not only see these four deceptions, but fifthly in verse 4, we see a world that's not just deceived, but a world that is destroyed by a holy God. Notice, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. Do you realize there is not a human being, nor a nation, nor a world as a whole for that matter, that this does not apply to you? And all of their thinking, whatever it is that they are secure in, whatever it is that has given them their, their self-confidence, if it is minus God, if it is minus what they are and what they have in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I'm saying to you just as surely as you can't go and you can't find that nation today, that individual, that nation that world will just as surely face the judgment of God. Thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. That is a declaration that is made by God himself in all of his sovereignty, in all of his omnipotence, that power that we sing about earlier. His promise to Edom was fulfilled. That's why you can't find them today. It was fulfilled. He has done the same with other nations. And I'm saying he'll do the same today 
with our nations. We get so concerned many times about the political things. Folks, you should have your say. You're not going to reform Great Britain, the United Kingdom, or the United States. You're not going to reform them at the polling booths. You need to take your part there. There's only one place that real reformation will come from. That's from the Word of God. It's from God having the place that he one tied in. His promise was fulfilled, and it will continue to be fulfilled. He'll do the same to those that cut him off, that go against him and his people one day. The Word of God promises that he's going to do, to do the same to all nations. I'm not going to turn there and read it now for the sake of time. It has departed us once again. Turn to Matthew chapter 24 and 25. Probably nowhere in Scripture the signs of the times, the end of times, better described than Jesus Christ himself there on the Mount of Olives before he left. He told us what to look for. We can look at some of those passages. He tells us clearly, turn to the book of Revelation, read chapters 19 through 22. It'll tell you what the end is going to be. The world as a whole is going to side with God's enemies. They're going to go against God. They're going to side against God's people and side with God's enemies, just like Edom. The Bible tells us that great battle of Armageddon is going to take place. Do you know what? Brother Steve, those nations, every one, will be destroyed as they come against God. <laughs> There's going to be one kingdom set up, his kingdom. And it's going to be set up for a thousand years here upon this earth. And do you know what? One of the most amazing things in Scripture, it absolutely is mind-baffling to me, is that after the reign of Jesus Christ and his kingdom here upon this earth for that thousand years, that there are still going to be those that are deceived just like we see here. They're totally deceived, and they again side with God's enemies. Once again, they're destroyed. And they're put just like Satan into their eternal doom. So many times, so many times, the deception, the deception that starts in individuals, and it moves to nations, and then it moves outside those nations. We see us around us today, a world a world that for the most part, they really believe it. They're against God's people. They're against God's truths. But they are so deceived, just like, just like Edom in some of these same areas. They believe it with all their hearts. You better believe they do. They're deceived. And today, there's only one choice. We've got to keep presenting the truth. We don't have the power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about so much in our morning services lately. We need that power working through us that their eyes might be open to their own deception. You can't do that. They've got all this this built up in there, and they've got all their reasoning, and they'll stand there, and they'll reason with you, and they'll argue with you all day. I'm saying that if there's a hope, that hope is in the gospel 
That hope is not in trying to argue with them and get them straightened out on all of these scientific things. It's in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They must come to recognize their need. And it's only the power of the Holy Spirit that can do that. Our responsibility never, never has it been more important. Nothing in your life more important than the carrying of the gospel to the ends of the world. That's the only thing that will overcome the deception, the truth. The truth is the only thing that can change them. We get tied up. You know what? Even as Christians, we can get so deceived. We think somehow that life's about the job. Life's about the education. Life's about the things, the possessions. Folks, we live in a world, and I know that those things are important, but they need to be in their place. They're not the most important. They're not. They can take that place. And you can really, really, really believe in your heart, God's got first place in my life. God's got first place in my heart. Well, you could say that with your words, but what about our actions? What do they really show? This evening, we live in a deceived world. Don't expect it to be easy. That deceived world one day is going to be destroyed. And if those people that you come in contact with and I come in contact with have any hope at all, it's only because they're going to turn to Jesus. That's their only hope. We need to show them because sure destruction is in their path. One day, just as surely as Edom has been destroyed and wiped off the map, so will they. They'll spend an eternity in that place exactly where the great deceiver himself is going. You and I, we really can make a difference, not because of who we are, but because of the Jesus that lives within us. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, as we read this short book in your Bible and we see, Lord, in these couple of verses that we've looked at this evening, the great deception that was brought upon those people. God, they really believed these things in their heart. They were deceived. Lord, as we... Look around us in the world that we live in today. We see a world deceived. We see a people that have been deceived. There's only one thing that can change any of that, and that's your truth. Lord, we pray that you would help us to recognize and understand with whatever else you've got for us in life, nothing is more important than what you can do with our lives, what you want to do with our lives. Help us not to get sidetracked on things that we make so important. Because so much of it comes right back to that deception that we read about here. We've deceived ourselves into believing the same thing as those around us. I pray that you would help us, Lord. Help our lights to shine in this dark world. Help us not to be deceived in our hearts, but help us to stand strong. Show us, Lord. Show us where you would have us and what you would have us to do. Help us to be a people that truly are sold out to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.